This is Live from the Convent. And I'm sitting here today with the world's first trillionaire. So, you're the world's first trillionaire. That is so exciting. Yeah, but it's it's not as if it came naturally. Actually, my dad and his friends, they were playing uh, poker. And they had this bat. Uh, well, one of them had a bat that I'd be a guy. And the other one had a bat that I'd be a girl. So either way... Yeah, my daddy was getting a billion, and the billion was meant to be for me and my education fund, so I guess that's why I started off with a billion, so yeah, that's real great. Wow, your voice is so deep and authoritative. Yeah, that's the butter. I eat a lot of butter. Well, because I can. (laughs) (laughs) isn't eating a lot of butter really unhealthy for you oh yeah but i've got this kind of stem cell kind of therapy nurse that just comes in every day and she just kind of creates new livers and lungs and stomach lining and whatever i want really yeah yeah it's great so how did you actually get it up to to a trillion? I mean, you start with a billion, but I mean, you still have quite a, a way to go to get to a trillion, and, and nobody in the world has ever managed this before, except for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what I say to myself when I look in the mirror every day. You know, it's actually interesting that you say that because... Um, I mean, a, a billion, it's its a tricky thing in itself. And, and a trillion, it's like a thousand billions, <laughs> you know. And it's not like each one of those billions is like a thousand, you know, so that you need to make a thousand thousands. No, it's, it's not like that. It's that each one is a billion. And if, if you don't win it in a poker game, you got to make it from scratch, <laughs> Each time, uh, especially when you're just starting off with one of the billions. Just for those people who are hoping to follow in your footsteps, what advice would you give them? Did you start quite young, thinking in a business-like way? Yeah, no, I guess uh, in the schoolyard, I, I followed demand. Close to Halloween, I, I always knew... There was going to be a demand for monkey nuts, and I always had the source for monkey nuts. Uh, I also knew that there were kids who really wanted fancy paper. These Some of my best customers, I guess, you know, we, we kind of look at females as just major consumers. But back then, in, in the in the playground, they liked this fancy paper, smelly paper, a paper that was in pastel colors with pictures of bunnies and doggies, and they all smelled real swell. 
they all smelled really sweet. They just, God, they love that stuff. So I bought up all of it. I bought up all of the fancy paper I could from China or from elsewhere around the country. And I sold that stuff uh, by the bucket load. Uh, there were the girls in my school, and then there were the girls in the next school, and it just word spread. And, and I, you know, I, I just was selling all the time. Things like that, you just, you just keep it. An eye on on the demand, but that Billy in there that was sitting there pretty for me and in my account for when I was old enough to just go, go and take that for myself. Yeah, well, I guess it's it's nice to know that that's sitting there waiting for you when you're old enough. That can give you peace of mind and and really give you that confidence. <laughs> Yeah, that kind of money, it gives you a great, great confidence. I mean, I I was never overly confident, <laughs> but I, I suppose I, I never worried about anything. I, the only thing I, I ever worried about was if there wasn't going to be enough butter. And as I got older, it was things like red wine and uh, ham and uh, cheese and, yeah, Coke. You know, that kind of the coca-cola that kind of stuff yeah and of course yeah the gout the gout oh yeah the gout came and took me yeah <laughs> oh they call gout the the rich man's disease right <laughs> yeah do you think uh, younger people now do you think kids now will they have the same kind of chance that you had to make that much money I think any kind of market now is is extremely crowded. I wish them the best luck, but oh, back in my day, money was worth the money. Uh, I mean, a billion dollars back then, I, it was worth a lot when money used to be worth something. And, and right now, I don't think money is really worth anything. And yeah, they got these cryptocurrencies, and they've got all that type of stuff, and... That's it's a different world, and everyone has had so many kids, and everyone just is scrambling to get to the top of the ladder. And I don't know that they're gonna have much luck all getting to the top. Uh, I think that would help if, if people could just figure that out, uh, but people haven't really figured that out yet. So, yeah, the scramble's just ongoing, yeah. <laughs> Is it true that you own a mine and a mint? Uh, who told you that? Oh, uh, yeah, it's true. Uh, yeah, I, I own a mine. Uh, I own an emerald mine and uh, in, in South Africa. Uh, that's So that's where I'm originally from, yeah. I don't sound anything like it now. And, uh, yeah, I have a mint, so I uh, print money uh, pretty much whenever I, I need cash. I, I just, I print the money, yeah. I fell in love with a horse back in 1821. We were, we started off as friends. And I'd pass him every day on the country road I lived on and I'd say oh how are you he'd never answer 
He was a curious-looking fella. He had a left-winking eye. And I always thought, is he looking at me? I never knew. And I'd see him walking back from work. I worked in a balloon farm. We grew balloons on the trees and picked them, picked them off, put them into baskets. Oh, the work, oh, it was very hard. Oh, it was very hard. And I'd be coming back. Oh, and me, me bum would be aching and me ties all oh, red raw from all the bending down and the twigs scratching me, be scratching at me freckles and moles and warts on me legs. And there he be, there he be looking at me over the fence. And there was one of the days, uh, July, July the 21st, and I just stopped in front of the fence and I said, would you go out on a date with me? I knew from his stance, I knew from his eyes, he he agreed to us. He was consenting. So I told him I'd pick him up in the morning. It was a Friday evening, so I would have been picking him up on the Saturday morning. So we went into town. We walked in, and he let me get up on him and ride him on the way in. And... We went into a cafe. I was French. French, something fancy anyway. And I sat down. And, oh, I looked at the menu. The menu had some cheese on it. Someone had been eating, eating with their fingers and left cheesy marks on it. It was greasy, greasy, cheesy marks on it. He didn't seem to mind. He was sitting on his hind legs and looking at the other menu. I noticed that his one didn't have any marks on it. Lucky prick. And he read, he was reading through, you know, uh, kind of having a gatch, having a look at everything. like. And I was going to start with the prawn salad. And he was going to have some croutons and basil. That was grand. We called the waiter over. I said, oh, yeah, he'll have the croutons and the basil leaves. Does that come with feta? And he said, yeah, it does. Why? I said, grand, he'll have that. And he was like, what do you want, love? He said it in French. He mightn't have said that. He might have said something completely different. So I was like, oh, yeah. Right then, I'll have the prawn salad. Does that come with basil leaves, boss? He said, oh, he goes, it doesn't come with basil leaves. Talking to me like I'd never been out in a restaurant. 
And I was highly insulted, but I was trying to be good. I was trying to make a good impression. So that's what we were having for the starters. And then he said, what are you having for your main? And I said, go away and bring us out that. I'm trying to drag out the date for as long as possible. Bring us out the starters. Go on. And off he went, anyway. And I sat back in the chair. It was a very uncomfortable chair. There was two spikes is the only way I can describe it. Sticking into Sticking into my shoulders, sticking into the back of me. Oh, it was horrible. But again, I, I, I didn't mention it. I wanted to be pleasant, keep it upbeat, positive. And he was, he was very quiet and very serene. And his eyes, oh, his eyes, oh, God. Oh, they were chocolatey. Oh, I could have just, oh, I could have opened a chocolate factory in them. Oh, God. And I just tried to start a conversation, and for the life of me, I couldn't think of anything for us to talk about. And uh, the starters were brought over. And he was eating his, his croutons, munching a bit loudly now for my liking, but he's a horse, so, you know. And I was eating my stuff, and it was grand. It was a bit slimy. The prawns, they were a bit tough. Like they'd been cooked maybe for the fourth time that week. Asher uh, grinned and, and bared it. And uh, I just started talking to him about the maritime news and amongst other things. And... He just tilted his head to the side like he was about to say something. And then he leaned over. Oh, when he leaned over, I caught the horse's perfume. Oh, it was glorious. I could have drowned in his palpable hormones I just oh it was I was drunk off his hormones pissed pissed as a twat anyway we finished off the starters both of us licked the plates that's what you do that's what you did then there was no wastage back then, by Ah, no, ah, no. Uh, and then the waiter came over and he said, Oh, your husband's here, Donald's at the door. Oh, and I was like, oh, Tell him I'll, I'll see him at home. Tell him to go home. And, you know, the waiter was like, No, Donald said, that, you know, he's suspicious about what you're doing. I didn't let him in. She doesn't have a, a, an appointment. And I was like, oh, God. 
I said, just send him home. I don't know how else to say it here. Tell him to go. So the waiter went out of sight and we didn't see him for a while anyway. And we thought about getting a man. But this horse had only one thing on his mind. The horse said he excused himself, went to the toilet. And I wondered if he was trying to give me the hoo-ha, if he was trying to tell me that, you know, he wanted me to follow him in. And I was a bit risky. He might not have been. He might have needed a dump. And I didn't want to interrupt him. I didn't want to be insensitive, you know. But I took the, I took a chance. I got up and I went to where the labs were, the lavatories, and opened the main door there. And then, uh, you know, there's ladies, men's, and a door for the horses. I went in there. There were a few horses in there, all right, kind of doing their business, having a chat, the usual. And then this guy, the horse I was with, he he was taking a moment, and I thought he was he was having doubts about us. That made me a bit sad. His name was Francine, which I haven't said so far. A very modern name for horses back then, and he had come up with it himself as a foal. Anyway, that's what he told me when we were walking back to the field. And I've I've never felt so close to someone as I did that day. And it was approaching dusk by the time we reached his homestay. And his, his brother and his sister, they were kind of running around doing laps at his field. And they were off. Uh, doing their own thing. And me and Francine, we hung out in the corner where the fences were. I would always see him and where the cars would pass. Not that there were cars then, but where the other people would pass on their way back from the balloon fields. And we sat down and we had a very frank chat. He told me, what his hobbies were. He liked to do this little dance he had thought of where he'd take two steps to the left, two steps to the right, one step to the front, one step to the back. He'd do that maybe 20 times a day. That passed maybe about an hour. And he did this other thing where he'd go up and he'd tap his brother or sister with his hoof and he'd run away. And they'd think there's a ghost in the field or something. They'd never think it was each other. And he'd kill me with his stories about his hobbies. And he asked me about my hobbies. And I told him, well, I like nothing more than sitting back in the evening, burning some incense and having a chop. And making up stories for myself. 
dirty, lusty stories about Spaniards and Mexicans and what they got up to in the heat. He said, oh, I'd love for you to tell me one of those stories once. <laughs> I said, oh, that'd be way too hot for you to handle, love. Way too hot. That was fine. And I went home and... I was getting into my evening routine and minding my own business. And what did I hear but a tap on on my wooden front door? And I was a bit worried because if you're getting a knock on the door at that hour, it could be a bandit. It could be somebody about to rob the shit out of you. And opened the door... And there he was. He was glistening. And he didn't say a thing. I was moved. I opened the door wider. He broke the hinges. He should have come in the back door, which is wider. Came in anyway, broken door and all. And he sat down on a stool. It was a stool Donald had built, so it was fairly sturdy. Donald was in bed. He was out. You know, when Donald falls asleep, oh, my God. There's no way he'd wake him up. Not a hope in hell, by. And we sat by the fireside, and I did tell him, a story about a Spaniard and oh he had a chuckle but I could tell he was a little bit I could tell he was a little bit hot under the collar and who'd blame him with the stories that I tell and then it was very romantic he leaned over and we had a kiss and it was wonderful. I've never experienced anything like this before in my life. And then he whispered in my ear, he said, Love, I have to go now, but thanks very much for the shift. And off he went through the wall. It was a hole in the wall at this point where the front door was. And... I felt the melancholy slam into me. And I suppose what can you do other than take a moment for yourself? And what brought me back to reality was hearing Donald fart, the loudest fart you ever heard. And I knew that the... Romance of the evening was well and truly expired, but what a day and what a night, and I'll never forget it. And I'll tell you, Donald got the ride of his life with me thinking in my head that he was the mighty horse, the mighty horse called Francine. <laughs>